Pressing on seems like something that we've been trying to do for a while, um, a number of months. And Paul is speaking about that here in Philippians, but Paul actually starts in a much more human place, um, a place that um, a gentleman might be aware of. Um, heard a great story from Lisa Head. She and Ken were celebrating their wedding anniversary up on Mackinac Island, and they went to one of the lectures at um, the Grand Hotel. And one of the, <coughs> excuse me, curators at the Grand Hotel was telling stories. And of course, a couple years, uh, not couple, a number of years ago, a um, few different times, the Grand Hotel has been a movie set, um, most notably, at least for me, for um, the Christopher Reeve, Jane Seymour film, Somewhere in Time. Beautiful, romantic film. And they used a lot of Mackinac Island and kind of upper Michigan people as extras in the movie. And I guess there was this one gentleman who is so pleased that he was part of the movie that that's how I, he identifies himself, as he um, introduces himself, and I was in somewhere in time, and he was. He's the second gentleman in the elevator who um, tips his hat and says hello to Christopher Reeve. I've seen the movie a number of times. I don't remember the guy, but he remembers himself. He got his Screen Actors Guild card. He paid the dues. He is a card-carrying SAG member who is very proud of the fact, it's one of his notable things, I was in Somewhere in Time. And if we scratch the surface, I would imagine that there are some things like that in our lives. We may not be quite as vocal as this gentleman, um, but there are some things that we're proud of. You know, we've hung degrees up on our walls or we have certificates, you know, that we were, Rotarian of the year, or, you know, that we were, you know, the best cookie mom that ever was at, um, our, at our daughter's elementary school. We have our moments. And so as we hear Paul um, writing about this, we, we, can, we groove with this. We understand what he's saying. He says, if anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews. As to the law, a Pharisee. That's a big deal. That's a lawyer. That's somebody who really understands all the ins and outs of the law. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. Now that's a big thing to take as credit, blameless under the law. Can anybody else say that we, you, you, I, that we're blameless? I don't think so. I have, I have done too many rolling stops at stop signs. I have, um, I, I've cut a few corners in my life, shall we say. I cannot make that, that distinction that I am blameless under the law. But Paul says, I am. I have an impeccable pedigree. Um, as my mother would say, he is a BMOC, a big man on campus. Um, whatever, whatever you can imagine in the ancient world, he's a Roman citizen. He doesn't even talk about that, but he's a Roman citizen. He's a Pharisee. 
He is, um, he, he used to make his, his living, basically. He became known as a persecutor of the early church. I mean, he has credentials. His resume is gorgeous. And we understand that because we understand that each one of us wants to be a little bit important. I mean, maybe not a celebrity. I don't know that we want the flashbulbs going off in our faces, but we want to be valued. We want to feel like we're important for something and somebody. And so we do hang up those credentials on our walls. We do soak in that praise and we're thankful to get those thank, those thank you cards and those expressions that were noticed and that our work is important to somebody. And we may not get our 15 minutes of fame, as Andy Warhol always said, but we want very much to feel like it matters. Our lives matter. Our persons matter. And Paul, after saying all of this stuff about him, how impeccable he is, and probably folks hearing this or reading this would have thought, oh my goodness, this, this guy is just beyond. I, I, I can't even approach him. He is so amazing. He's in another universe. And then he says, yet, whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He's ready to give all of this up, realizing that what he, what he has, all the stuff that he built up, really doesn't matter as much as this. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish. And you may have heard me say this before, but the word rubbish, it isn't just your garden variety garbage. It's like compost and more than that. So just, we're, we're trying to clean it up here. You know, this is, this is a family Bible, so we're, you know, but you know the words. That's what he means. I regard them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. That's what he really wants. After the first part of his lifetime seeking self-aggrandizement and glory, in this part of his life, all that Paul wants is to know Christ, to be loved by him, and to serve him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, quite a shift, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith, not self, but looking outward, looking to God. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death, if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. That is the value that Paul 
now wants. By losing himself, he has found a whole new life, a whole new focus. Instead of pursuing himself, he is pursuing Christ. And I would venture to say, over these last months, we've lost some stuff. We really have. We've lost people we loved. We've lost fun times that we wanted to have. We've lost just the simple joy of being able to sit in the same room with one another without thinking about what it would mean. But we have found the simple joy of just being able to see one another's faces. You, all of you who were here last Sunday at nine o'clock, the joy was absolutely tangible. We saw one another from the neck down, some of us for the first time in months. And we sang together, and we prayed together, and we gathered together. And week after week, as we gather here, even though there are some constraints, we are here in God's house together. And we're discovering that the conversations about where to find rubbing alcohol and good ice cream are important as we're helping each other through these days. And that we know that each day, we're one day closer to the time when this place is filled again, with everybody sitting next to one another, with no masks, singing our hearts out. And we've discovered that some of what we've lost, we may not want to look for again. Some of those things that seemed so important a year ago seem petty and even stupid right now. Because what we found is that we just want everyone to be healthy and happy and safe. And everything else, for right now, we count as rubbish. We just want to be God's people together again. Amazing how some of these things call us to what is really real, call us to oneness. And so I'm inviting you to come to Christ's table, to bring all that is good in you and the things that are not so great in you, in me, and bring it all to God to give thanks to God and to come to receive the nourishment that only God can give. And it is a special gift to know that as we do this this morning, that all around the world, at all different times and places, in all different languages, the people of God are gathering around this same big table. Let us give thanks.